UX Podcast Episode 162. This is UX Podcast. With me, James Royal Lawson. And me, Pan Axbom. Coming to you from Stockholm, Sweden, with listeners in 170 countries, from the Cook Islands to Pakistan. 170? Is that like more than before? Yes. It's ah, covered by two. Two countries? I have no idea which. Two full countries? Or <laughs> we don't. don't start. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that another time. Uh, today we're bringing you an interview from, uh, from Business to Buttons. Uh, an interview with Katie Dill, um, and she is the UX director at Airbnb. She leads the um, designers um, um, defining Airbnb's digital products and services. She's responsible for the people, processes, and structure um, to help the team craft high-quality experiences in um, well, both, both offline and online. And she's, uh, she's had a big team. She's led this team uh, through global rebranding as well as the launch of new platforms and products. So she's really, really experienced. And, and she, she did a talk on stage um, that was really concrete and gave lots and lots of advice for handling uh, big projects and handling global. Uh, oh, well, don't do the recap again. Because we're going to have the jingle now and you do your recap. <laughs> Let's go. Katie Dale, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. You just came off stage. Uh, you gave the first talk of the day at From Business to Buttons. And uh, the name of your talk was When UX Goes Offline. And you're the director of experience at Airbnb. So it was a lot about how Airbnb tackles the, the many issues of the experience that actually is offline, because <laughs> most of it is. And uh, you gave us some tips. Very concrete. I love that, by the way. And good examples. Uh, and you started out talking about uh, giving credit to an airline for being good, actually. It was, was fantastic. Uh, and the experience is a journey. And then you, you've seen uh, the problem as what happens when you don't have complete control of the journey? What do you do then? Because we all assume that we do. So what do we do? <laughs> the point is uh, whether or not you know, it's a company like Airbnb or um, you know, really any user experience company, we are all trying to bring clarity and coherency uh, and thoughtfulness to the experience that the end user is going to feel. But the reality is there's always things at play that we just don't have our control over. Mm. Uh, if you're designing an app and a person is just going back and forth with your digital platform, perhaps you have a little bit more control, but you don't have control over what room they're in at the time and what else is going on in their life. And so my point is, as a designer for user experience, is that you have to try to broaden your thinking to the great number of things that you don't have control over, and then seek to provide some sort of guardrail or framework um, or even opportunity for the great number of things you don't have control over mm. to contribute in a positive way to the experience. Uh, and so the five tips that I gave are a way of, you know, hopefully giving people uh, a process for yeah. finding control in that chaos. Mm. Uh, so one, for example, uh, the first tip was to see the big picture. And that really is about taking a step back 
and thinking about the experience that you're trying to create and think about the context that your user might be in. Think about the different players that might be involved, whether or not it's an employee from your team or somebody from the community, another user, or a friend of your end user. Uh, any number of these people might be contributing to that experience. And when you start to think about that and kind of it all together and we like to draw it as a storyboard uh, you can start to get your head wrapped around yeah. uh, those number of things I also like that, I mean you said that the the entire company um, needs to to care about this big picture yeah. I mean, that, that, in some ways that sounds obvious I mean you're a company with a particular you know, aim and goal in mind um, but you you utilize the storyboards you, you have them printed out and displayed yeah uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you're right, like it should be obvious, but I don't know if it is. You know, there there's so many number. There are a number of teams at your company, right? Mm. And everybody probably, hopefully, takes pride in their job, and they think about their job all day, every day. And so it's like, well, maybe they're in finance, maybe they, you know, work in the mail room, uh, but they. You know, what they need to be reminded of is what part they play in the larger uh, result and impact that they have in the world. And I think it's hard. It's hard for all of us to, to keep a perspective like that. And so yeah. that's the point of the storyboard. That's the point of having it on the wall so that somebody from the mailroom, somebody from finance, somebody mm. from engineering yeah. uh, can see it and remember about mm. that impact that we all are somehow contributing to. And I think it's great because, I mean, I've all worked so many organizations where, you know, those documents, those things, they get buried on shared Drives. They're kind of they're thrown up at conferences or kind of kickoffs and things, and then well, you know, then that's that's gone. Yeah. So the lifting up and being visual yeah. with it and keeping it out there is, is yeah is, is great. And you know, I wouldn't uh, lie about the fact that like we try to make it something that people want to look at. Mm. So you know, we hired a very skilled uh, artist from Pixar actually to oh, draw oh, it. Wow. <laughs> so like when you walk by, like you want to look at <laughs> yeah. it, and that yeah. is on purpose. Mm. Like, we want you to look at it. And people pop their head in and ask about it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Because yeah. you were saying uh, about that, I, I quoted, uh, wrote down that quote. It's, it's the company as a whole, not the designers that are responsible for the experience. Mm -hmm. And I think we're hearing that a lot these days. But I think some designers have a, some trouble with that because then, what is my job? What mm. is, what is, what's my job as a designer if everybody's responsible for that experience? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Yeah, you know, it's like here we are, like yeah. putting our blood, sweat, and tears into this, and mm. it's like if you know we're just you know, a cog in the machine. Mm. But no, 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 we're not a cog in the machine. Mm. In many ways, we're facilitators. We're mm. facilitators of the contributions that multiple people are going to make. And so perhaps a designer can come to the table with uh, good ideas throughout a process that will uh, end in a good result, uh, utilizing user research, mm. putting storyboards up, for example, uh, getting the contributors from across the company. Uh, to contribute well, um, perhaps you know we might be a little bit better at visualizing it and and generating ideas about it. Um, but I would worry about a designer that thinks they single-handedly solve the problem yeah. because the problem is bigger than any one of us. Yeah, exactly. Another, th another thing I really like one of your points wasn't it your your fifth point. I'm jumping now to the fifth point, but <laughs> it, it came up now with the the, um, the co-creation and the army of partners. Um, I think. Um, that, that awareness, because Airbnb, of course, works with, you know, obviously co-creation because you're, you're, you've got your, your hosts and the people who book them. Um, and they're an absolutely integral part of what you do. Without people hosting rooms, then you don't have any rooms. Mm. So that, that awareness of, of, the, of how crucial a partner they are, they're a team for you. So they're just like you have teams inside the organization, you have a team, but it's external. And you, you work a lot with making sure that they're onboarded in your team. 
And you send out professional photographers as well to their apartment, in, in some cases. I yeah. Assume, yeah. In, in some parts yeah. of the world, yeah. uh, we have a, um, a kind of a team of uh, photographers that you know kind of contract through the company that can provide that service to our hosts if they request it, which mm. helps for sure. Uh, it helps with uh, the expectation setting. As uh, I remarked in my presentation, a, a big part of it is about setting the right expectations so that mm. when you know, a, a user encounters the reality of the experience, mm. it is what their expectations had, had hoped it would be. Mm. Uh, and that's how to generate the best form of happiness, we feel. Um, oh, sorry, the happiness um, is reality minus the expectations. Yes, yes, is a formula that I heard on Car Talk. Actually, it's a oh wow, yeah. I listen to Car Talk. <laughs> Car Talk's great, <laughs> but it's a yes. Happiness <laughs> equals reality minus expectations. Mm, yeah. So of course, the whole thing is out of works if uh, your expectations were uh, better than the reality actually is. Mm, yeah. uh, so we try to either improve reality or uh, you know better set expectations to uh, reflect what it actually will be. Uh, and so that is a big piece of it. That is you know, what, uh, a large part of what we are leveraging the digital platform to do. Uh, we try to inform the guest uh, about the details of the home that they are about to book or the experience that they're about to book. Uh, we do that through information that the host shares, pictures, of course, as, as you remark, and then um, reviews. Uh, but to the point that you were making, James, in terms of how do we equip our partners, uh, we feel that you know the best thing that we can do in order to ensure that there is a great experience delivered at the end of the day is to make sure that the host knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. We want to inform them, we want to inspire them, and we want to equip them with what they need. Uh, and so that's all about you know providing them with information and advice. You know, like what do guests care about? You know, a lot of them you know have very very good intentions, but they don't necessarily know what you know the majority of our guests are looking for. And we have data that we can use to help them understand like what might be a competitive price in their market yeah. at that time of year, yeah. um, in that neighborhood. Uh, we can equip them with information about you know what a guest generally like in terms of you know, a welcoming, um, and you know how to leave out a key and to you know, provide them with information that they need. Uh, we give them tools that they can provide a guidebook for their, ho for their guest, uh, recommending places to go and, and get to know the city a little bit. And with all of these things and the information that we can provide the host, hopefully then they make the right choices and mm. deliver um, the best possible experience. Mm. Well, that's like teaching onboarding so that they can do onboarding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose there must be a... Um, you you need to complete the feedback loop there, I guess, as well, because mm. you've got to prepare them. But then you, I guess, need to be prepared for by them back, you know, the feedback, reverse feedback loop. It's <laughs> sure. difficult to describe that. I can <laughs> sort of thought in my head, but then difficult to describe. Um, do, you, do they prepare you? How do they prepare you? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, we learn a lot from the hosts. We have uh, a host community uh, kind of website and where people can uh, share information and um, get to know each other and also you know we learn a lot from that and we also integrate host feedback in everything we do mm. uh, so we have a, a quite a large research team that is constantly talking to hosts we have a host expert group uh, where we can learn from them uh, we review product updates with them before we mm. launch it often mm. uh, to get their feedback and you know they are an integral part in helping us make a better product yeah. Uh, because yeah they they know they're part of the world better than anyone uh, they know um, the guests better than anyone um, and so they they definitely do play a big big role in mm. informing our roadmap our work um, and hopefully help us help them more 
because when I was when I was sat listening, I, I was I was trying to think. Okay, um, I can see how this is really relevant for for organisations that, that have a clear um, co-creation or community aspect. Airbnb being an absolute excellent example that there there is an integral they're an integral part of the business mm-hmm. model. But how do I apply this to a, an organisation that doesn't have such a obvious um, community aspect yeah. to it? So, I was, and I started thinking about uh, well, they're kind of super fans. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I- effectively, your mm-hmm. hosts are super fans. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about it in, in some other organisations, mm. that, that these are the ones that are really, really kind of engaged with your brand and products and, and really want to give the feedback. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You know, I think it. I use the examples of marketplace companies because it is it's so very clear mm. that yeah. like, there's a larger community that is delivering the experience. But the reality is it's pretty much true with everything. Mm. Uh, there's always some other player involved that isn't an employee to your company that is helping to create that experience. So, for example, I started by talking about Virgin America, which actually does a pretty good job with user experience, which is abnormal in the airline industry because mm. <laughs> usually it's not very good. Uh, and I, what I was talking about is that you know they have a fair amount of control over the experience, and therefore they can make it a better experience. Mm-hmm. However, how true is that really? Like they're leveraging vendors to provide the food. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're working with airports that are owned and run by different companies, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know they've got. You know, when somebody's buying their ticket at home, it's, you know, maybe the, the daughter or the husband of the person purchasing telling them, you know, what they think about Virgin. You know, mm. there are all these other players involved that aren't employees of the company that, whether you like it or not, are mm. contributing to what somebody experiences. Mm. And so you can embrace that fact and you can, you know, try to leverage the diversity that they bring and the different, you know, perspective that they bring. And you can also try to provide some sort of guardrail around it and account mm. for that fact uh, like so for example in the virgin example they're in an airport but they bring their own tables in mm. that helps to like set the environment but they're mm. still right. in a different uh, mm. public yeah. airport uh, and so those are the, the examples that I would give and you know I mean the same thing for you know you guys run a podcast but then people will talk about the podcast when you're not in the room mm. And, you know, the question to you is, that, you know, are you providing them with the right information so that they can help to, you know, talk about your podcast the way it should be talked about, mm. right? And, like, these are the things that we all need to think about, like the kind of the layers beyond the immediate experience that we are directly providing. Right. And it's all about the experience. Something I really wanted to ask about as well, because you touched upon it when you were talking about under the topic set the stage. Let the content and users take center stage, not the brand. And I know this is something... A lot of people struggle with. It seems like the marketing and PR department is <laughs> something within your organization that you always have to fight with <laughs> because they are so brand focused and it's not about the brand. As we know in UX, or most people know in the UX, is that we struggle to actually focus on the content, lift the content, and put that, center, as you said, center stage. Uh, what are some tips that <laughs> you, you have for people who are struggling and trying to argue for that? Yeah. It is a very difficult balance mm-hmm. because I, th- I think the brand has to be strong enough to unite the content that exists Mm. within it. I mean, that's part of the guardrails that you create on it. So, for example, with Airbnb, you know, the hero, of course, of the experience is the diverse group of hosts and homes and experiences that are on the platform. Mm. But if there wasn't anything tying it all together, you you might not really know what the experience is that you're getting. Uh, and so we need to have a strong enough brand that, it you know, you remember it, it resonates with you when you, you know, 
come into the app or in the website, like you know where you are, you know where to find things, right? So there's that structure and there's the continuity and there's the overall wrapper that brings mm. it all together. Mm. But the point is that it can't be so pushy. Like we can't use, you know, an overly audacious, um, in your face brand that then just starts to either like just muddle on top of the content that is so critical, the, the hosts and the homes, et cetera, mm. um, or, you know, kind of override it or just turn it into a whole big mess. So for example, again, using you guys, right, is that, you know, your every podcast or every interview is going to be different. And I'm sure you want to highlight the, the folks that you're speaking with, mm. but you want to make sure that at any time somebody comes on and listens to your podcast, they know like, oh, this, mm. this is the mm. quality that I'm used to getting. I know where I am and I know, you know, what I'm going to hear, um, the, the, the valuable insights I'm going to hear in this kind of realm. So it's that balance of just having a strong enough brand that it contains the content well, but mm. doesn't overstep and overshadow the content. Mm -hmm. I can tell you're really good at this because you're using us as the heroes of the story. So the people you're talking to are, <laughs> are always the heroes exactly. of the story. <laughs> Refer me around yeah. this. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Katie. This was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. So for me, what uh, Katie's talking about is really how do you control something that you really cannot control? Because uh, there's so much going on. There's so much that can happen when people meet people in these circumstances and, and they don't know each other beforehand and things can go crazy and, and people be, will be unprepared for anything uh, uh, out of the ordinary that will happen. So, so success will depend on how good are you at listening uh, to the people involved? How, how attentive are you to what's going wrong? And then having, as, as Katie said uh, several times, that guardrail in place uh, to help people cope with the uh, unexpected. I was actually thinking back to Steve Portugal's uh, uh, book. and now oh, if The I, war stories. Yeah, the war stories, exactly. It's like, be prepared for the unexpected and, and, and cope with it and just go with the flow mm -hmm. and uh, create that sense of confidence in people that they can go with the flow when, when things go wrong. They know that they, they have some sort of support. They know... They know what they uh, they have a mandate to do in these situations, and so because they have so many people. I mean, if you look at Airbnb, they have so many people spread out across the world that are users of their service, but also promoting their service, and they need to feel confident. Yeah, the hosts, in, in, the co-creation aspect with the, the hosts. Exactly, are, and they need to feel confident in all situations that yes, uh, I'm doing the right thing, and uh, whatever happens, I'm going to be able to cope with it, and I have someone to support me. Mm. The, mm. the Katie mentioned um, guardrail twice. I think yeah. during the interview mm. that what, what they try to do is 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 put that kind of that support in place that you can hold on to mm. while you're doing something else. Mm. Guardrail. Mm. Um, now uh, we also mentioned the the reciprocal the the two directional aspect of this, um, which links into what you've just said. That y yes, Airbnb need to make sure that they've got something in place that helps the hosts do be better hosts and be better prepared to right. be hosts. Um, and that, that involves them listening mm. to hosts and getting their feedback to work out what's going wrong, what could go wrong, what mm. do they need help with. Um, but you also need to, to listen the other way. Well, it requires that the hosts then listen to, the, to Airbnb. So there's, there's, there's oh, two yeah, directional. There's both parties have to listen. It's a feedback loop. Because Airbnb mm. themselves mm. or the mm. organization also needs a guardrail. Mm. Yeah. How how you know they need something to hold on to mm. to make sure that they cope with working collaboratively with their mm. co-creators. 
Exactly. And and my the co-creators or the hosts, they need to feel that they need this information because they could just go, no, I, I can cope. I mean, I can do this. Cause how, how hard can it be? Mm. They need to get the realization that, no, you, you perhaps need some help uh, because this and this and this could happen. Mm. But if it does, you should know that you can do this, this and this. Mm. Oh, damn it. It's back to coaching again. Yeah, how, mm. So how do you mm. coach co-creators yeah. um, without being overbearing mm. by in a way which allows them to feel as if they've um, done this, succeeded themselves. Mm-hmm. So exactly. they get that kick, that sense mm. of kind of achievement, the gamification mm. aspect that they, they feel that they've achieved something now um, yeah, because, because they've done a, it themselves. It's a challenge and you're coping with it. Yeah, yeah. And they haven't completely realized mm. that you have been the guardrail mm. and supported them during this process. Exactly. But then it also, for me, it also comes, so then it's hard with Airbnb because uh, then you have accountability issues as well. Mm. So who is responsible in different situations? Do I feel like I can make a decision that will cost money and who will pay for that? And I think Airbnb has a challenge in helping people feel more themselves accountable for things that can happen. Because you hear all these stories in the news where some I mean, house squatters and, and mm. people are destroying stuff in their houses and there's lots of information that you need beforehand to feel safe uh, in those types of situations and willing to try it out. I think, I think people who are offering their homes to Airbnb are offering a huge part of themselves. So there's, I mean, there's so much emotional stuff going on here as well. And to offer something to the host that will help them feel confident, that's a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with what they're doing there. Yeah, at the same time though, there's there's plenty of hosts that are that are that are semi professional, or they're mm. they're actually putting their exactly. they've got a second ap- yeah. apartment or something, mm. or a spare apartment. Mm. A spare apartment? How many people have spare apartments? <laughs> but they've, they've got they've got accommodation that's mm. that's been mm. used mm. solely for renting out mm. for holiday lets and so on. Mm. Um, so that's a different mm. type of mm. um, um, relationship. And that's uh, another thing because I'm I go to these conferences and I, I hear about Airbnb all the time, and it's it's, it's always an example. I have personally never used Airbnb, mm. so I don't really know the inner workings. I don't have no experience of it. And I think as an audience, when you're talking about Airbnb, I think you need more details about So how does this really work? Because mm. you sort of assume that everybody listening right now and people in an audience, they've tried it out. They sort of know what it is. I actually have no idea. Mm. People rent out homes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, actually, I actually booked my first yeah. Airbnb room because I've, I've searched on Airbnb, mm. Airbnb for stuff before, but it's never been... Available, the, the right stuff has not been available at the right time when I yeah. needed it because mm. usually I've had very specific requirements. Mm. I need to have a room in that place on that day. And mm. um, depending on the city, the availability of Airbnb mm. is really mm. variable. Mm. There can be basically one room on, on mm. the market compared to other cities like London, mm. these loads. Mm. Um, but um, uh, no, so I've just booked Airbnb for the first time. And I was awesome. uh, it was interesting <laughs> to see as well about how yeah. much. Because I'm doing this now, of course, after talking to Katie and thinking mm. about Airbnb mm. in the context of co-creation, mm. the context of, of how I'm a guest, mm. I'm negotiating with a host through Airbnb. Mm. So we're three, it's a three-way relationship. Yeah. Um, and um, I reflected on some little tweaks and aspects. Like there was a lot of, when I was creating an account, I was surprised by how many things I had to, to answer before I could actually get all the way to booking okay you have to add a profile picture and i was thinking, well why why you it didn't mm. force me to do it at the very very beginning but it mm. forced me to do it when i actually was going to make mm. an inquiry to see if a room was available yeah. i was thinking oh that must be to reassure my host so not not for my benefit the picture's there so that the, the person 
renting out their yeah. room feels that this person is more genuine. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, I could easily fake it, but the, you know. The, mm. And then also there was a box where I had to fill in um, what the why no why why I was doing the trip why did I want the room kind of thing. Right. It was framed in a way that made it sound like you know we're we're curious to know mm. what you're gonna you know what brings you here. And you're quite a transparent guy on the internet, so probably it will be. Yeah, I just wrote exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, but also... <laughs> party with 50 people, I'm going to destroy your home. If, if, you go, <laughs> if you Google, people will find you. And that must be a confidence builder for someone who's renting out their home as well. I guess it is. Yeah. 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 I didn't but have you, had, have you had contact with that person on chat it, or it something? It was inst- almost instant. As soon as I pressed the button almost, I think it was within three minutes, I got an mm-hmm. SMS telling me that there was a message in my Airbnb inbox telling me that the, you know, the person had written to me. Okay. Um, they were really curious and yeah. really interested to know... Kind of, oh, oh well, yeah, you haven't been here for this many years, and oh, I, I wonder if it is different to when you were kind of last year, this kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So it was a real, straight away, a real good feeling about yeah. how, how open they were and how mm. interested they were in, 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 I know in my another, experience that I was going to have. That's another thing Katie says is that if you've had contact beforehand, then it will work much better when you, once you get there. Yeah. Which seems natural when you think about it, but it's not not always part of every process in these yeah. things. No, so I was I, I really understand and, and and like the aspect of how um, with co-creation um, that you have this army of partners and um, they're effectively part of your team. Mm. That these are an extension of your company, mm. and you should in some ways treat them as as a as an extension of your company mm. and and make sure they have they're onboarded in the right way to to do the job that they're, they're kind of tasked to do mm. um, even though it's an it's kind of an unofficial mm. role it's a dependent role to make mm. your company succeed and i think as i mentioned i think every company has these these super fans or you have loyal customers or co-creators there there are customers and people out there that you 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 do need to treat more like someone in your organization than yeah because they are doing more and giving more to you uh the way they act and the way they respond to you because they always interact with you you can i mean you can point them out almost uh i, I know if, i mean in our case we we could probably find uh a hundred people who we know that are people who always give us a shout out on twitter or something mm. uh who are easy to find which would be our super fans then in, yeah. in, that, in that sense uh, and of course, it's really important to be aware of that and, and make sure that you treat them really well. And consider mm. and consider how how mm. they use because what mm. we do we we deliver through content, we deliver mm. knowledge to mm. listeners, and that knowledge then gets mm. carried on by the listener mm. into other situations. It might be in a in a you know a coffee room chat mm. or, or a conference. They'll meet someone else and maybe mm. talk about an interview that we've had and something someone's mentioned. Right. Um, so, so how do we, how do we help mm. listeners do that part of their, their, their role, their job mm. with, with the podcast, um, spreading the knowledge and, exactly. and linking people back to the show so they, they can get more of the knowledge if they, if they're so interested. Exactly. Provide more value by having them provide us more value as well. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, it has to be a win-win. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yep. Yeah, so again, back, we're, we're always back to the mm-hmm. the context, thinking about the context of all the actors in your world, mm. which is 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 I think um, easier said than done. Exactly. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and now, a message from Ladies That UX. Hi, this is Jihan from Ladies That UX Taipei. Our annual conference, Talk UX, is moving to Asia for the first time ever. Female UXers from every industries and every professions 
will be joining us this October in Taipei, sharing their expertise and stories. This will be a three-day event starting from the 20th of October to the 22nd. Joining us to hear from all the ladies making waves in UX. Hi, this is Jihan from Ladies.UX Taipei. Our annual conference, Talk UX, is moving to Asia for the first time ever. Female UXers from every industries and every professions will be joining us this October in Taipei, sharing their expertise and stories. This will be a three-day event starting from the 20th of October to the 22nd. Joining us to hear from all the ladies making waves in UX. Our website is www.talk.ux.com. Hope to see you here in Taipei. You can find show notes at uxpodcast.com. You can follow us anywhere as UX Podcast. You can also sign up for our backstage mailing list, where we give you a bit of extra content and share offers that we get when we get them to you. Visit the website and fill in your email address to subscribe to that. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Who's there? KGB. KGB who? Who will ask the questions? God, you actually made me jump. (laughs) (laughs) It's such an 80s knock-knock joke, though. Pretty frightening. I I, I was thinking of of changing KGB to the Senate Hearing Committee, but I'm not sure everybody would find that as funny. Bit too long. Yeah.